Hi, this is Jen from the Sanctum Secorum podcast. You're listening to Brett and Sean on Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming NBS episode 73, where we're going to be talking about RPGs with class and without class. Ah, get it, Brett? Absolutely. Class Uh, and classless. That's kind of us. Yay! I'm one of your hosts, Sean. (laughs) I'm Brett. I'm the other guy. Thanks for joining us, folks. Glad to have you here. Yeah, right, man. So I just got, I just got back. I was up in the in the UP area of Michigan with my my lovely wife. Got a little time away. Why kids? Why? Because it's wonderful up there. It was gorgeous. Heavy lots about two two and a half feet of snow in spots. It was pretty cool. It was lovely. That's crazy. We're supposed to be getting some sort of a uh, a snowmageddon here in the Madison area over the next couple of days. It's it it started off with like thirty inches and you know. Yeti type death, you you will be you know devoured by horrendous snow monsters down to eh, maybe a foot. So we'll see what, we'll see what actually shows up on Tuesday. But just to make sure I'm well stocked, I uh, I went out and I bought a new bottle of scotch. So I should be able to get through the snow again. I, I should be fine. A new bottle of scotch. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So shall we do this thing? Yeah, man. Let's do this thing. All right, let's go. Uh, announcements. Well, you, did you get a funnel done on Saturday? I did not do a funnel. What happened? I had like one person that was interested. You promised a funnel and you did nothing. I can't run with just one person. Well, you could have, he could have, he could have run 16 characters. No kidding. That's true. (laughs) That's true. I suppose. Right. Had, had the individual who wanted in, had that person ever played DCC before? No, not that I'm aware of. So what we got to do is we got to keep Sean's funnel open and see what we can do to get somebody else wrangled yeah. in another time. Yeah. So it did not happen. Okay. But we will well, reschedule. We will reschedule. Okay. I was going to say, should we say if folks are interested in playing DCC with Sean, they should let us know? Should we say that or should I not say that? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. Everything I just said totally counts. I mean, <laughs> we can't unsay it unless I take it out, I guess. Oh, damn you and your editing capabilities. Arr. Arr. So speaking of okay, here's this is a this is a gonna be a fun little announcement piece. What? So Sean, th- did you try to register for GaryCon? How did that go? All right, so here's my beef. Gary Con okay, so GaryCon event registration was another complete debacle again this year. So I believe this is year three of debacle. <sighs> Well, it's a, yeah, I think it's been at least that many. Um, you know, it's funny how some people kind of approach the, the, that is debacle with Gary Khan. It's almost like similar an approach with how some individuals find podcasters or people that call out Kickstarters. Right, they can. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of weird. Some people are like, "Hey, look, man, they're trying the best they can." There's all sorts of the gambit, right? There's people that will lean towards, "God damn it, son of a bitch," yeah. all the way to, "Hey, cut them a break, they're just gamers." And Sean and I have talked about this on the show before. Is that the the problem is that if you're running a con like this, you're going to have this type of open enrollment. Um, or online enrollment where people can sign up for games is not first come first serve like Evercon. When you go to Evercon, it's a very small, teeny little convention. Well, teeny is, <laughs> I mean, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred people, teeny, right? That show up to Evercon, but that's first come first serve. You show up, you look through the docket, and you just go to the game and say, "Hey, do you have any openings?" Great, I sit down. GaryCon though is a sign up for the games in advance so that you make sure you get yourself a ticket and a seat for the games of your choice, and it didn't work. Well, so they had it scheduled for last Saturday, the January 23rd-ish, and it didn't, something happened, they needed to postpone it a week. So they postponed it a week, right, they postponed it a week, and it was supposed to go live at like 11 o'clock central time, noon Eastern on Saturday. So I was on there, ready to go. 
I was at like eleven fifty, like ten fifty seven at my time or whatever. Three minutes to when it was supposed to take off, I get a database error. So the site crashes, but I quickly refresh and it comes back up. Start doing some things and realize nothing's happening. So I'm like, the site's getting just hammered. Um, then I tune into Facebook and everybody's like, hey, are you? is anything happening for anybody? And the thread just goes crazy. So initially they said they were hacked. Which is a huge damn deal because depends what kind of information I have or have not provided. Oh my God, they have stuff of mine. Then, then Luke Gygax confirmed that it was not hacked, that it was a, vul- a vulnerability, which I think if, I think I would have speculated that it wasn't a hack because it would have been really convenient to be hacked exactly at the same time event registration. So basically they ran into vulnerability with the um, way the environment is set up that it can't handle what they're trying to do. So the un- design flaw. my understanding was there was a vulnerability that allowed some people to populate their cart and then check out pre prematurely prior to the, the time, the, the pre-allocated time. So what they did was they said, we're going to re, so if you got some events and you did that, we're going to erase everybody's cart and redo it, reset everything. And then we're going to do it again at two o'clock, like three hours later and try it all again. Now, in the meantime, I had voiced my concern in my, my, Irk my irked my irked concern, which was, you know, this is the eighth year of Gary Khan, and event registration continues to be a debacle. WTF? And of course, I get a few comments that are like, "Hey, man, you guys are really trying hard," and I, you know, I appreciate that. Had one guy call me out, telling me, "Hey, unless you work walk in my shoes, you don't have anything to say, or if you're going to help, get you know." take on the role and learn it and do it yourself. Okay. Right. So. Which is great customer service, by the way. Well, it wasn't, it was just a community member. I I know, but that that's, that's helpful. Just a community member, (laughs) which is his flaw was, I mean, his, his comment was flawed because he made it sound. So if what he equated to was like, walk, walk in my shoes. I know this stuff. I know it can be difficult. You don't know what you're talking about, which is a similar to me having somebody like, I don't know, my cable provider, um, go down and then me complain about it and then say, Hey, you don't know anything about cable. So don't like, Hey, unless you walk in our shoes, you really shouldn't be like bitching and griping about it. Well, we've talked about this before on the show is that there is, when it's a convention like this, it, it is a business. And when you're, when you're running a business and a portion of it is not going well, your customer service, you know, it's going to take a hit. Right. So, if I sell insurance and you can't get on my damn website to buy my insurance, I complain. It doesn't matter that it's quote unquote hard to do it or not. What matters is it, it's not it's not working right, and I as a customer am irked, and I want you know I want it fixed because I want to attend your convention, I want to buy your product, and I can't get the goddamn thing. So here here's the thing: I don't. This is not. I think what happens in these instances is people start to take it personal, and it's not personal. As a matter of fact, I know the webmaster. And I think he's do, he's doing whatever he can to get it done. Like he's had some anxiety over the whole thing. I know he, it's been a real rough time for him, but I've been involved in major cutovers when shit didn't go right. I moved an entire data center, you know, essentially across the entire state. I had to stand it up in 48 hours and shit didn't go perfectly well. You get panicky, even though it's not my fault. It was the DBA didn't know what the fuck he was doing, which is database administrator for those who don't know what DBA is. But anyway, the, the database guy didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And destroyed an Oracle database. Whoops. I'm losing my brain over this, and it's well, still not my fault. Now, in all fairness, this is not a Fortune 500 company where millions of customers are not going to get service. I also want to stipulate that this is not a nonprofit. This is not a foundation. This is not some kind of charity. They are for profit. They do. They are out to make money, and it just is unfortunate that year over year. They know that on a certain time that they're going to stipulate is event registration that the site is going to get pounded. Now, some people will say, hey, Sean, you're being kind of an asshole and a dick about this. And I say, I don't understand why my my me not being happy about it is being a dick. I really don't. And at the same time, people will say, hey, they don't have the money and resources. And I go, I don't know about that. Neither do you. 
right? That you don't know how much money Gary Khan has in the coffers. And, and frankly, it's none of our business. But at the same time, if you can get, look, there are sites out there that handle millions of transactions a day. You can get a website to handle like a thousand in one day. Absolutely. All right. So anyways, I registered and I think I might've, I might've actually got every event that I put in my cart. I don't know. I got an email. I, I might, the thing is, is that if you didn't get an email, rumor is you, you're, you're not in that event. It's not confirmed something happened. Well, it's one of those things where everybody, you've been to GaryCon before. I've yet to be able to go. I'm hoping I can make it this year. People who go, like Jen Brinkman goes, uh, the DCC folks, as she talked about, it's got a great contingent of people there. They love playing DCC. It's a great environment. The people who go to the con, I've never met anybody who went there and said, I had a really shitty time. I didn't get to game. You know, people may have not gotten in the game they wanted, but when they're there, they're having a damn good time. But what happens when stuff like this goes down is that, Someone from, let's say the misdirected mark guys want to come from Buffalo. Well, shit, do I, I go in and try and try and try. Really? I don't even know if I got in the games and wanted. I don't know if I was able to register anything. Ah, crap. <clears throat> and it, it poisoned, it poisons people. It makes it harder for me to trust that I'm going to have a good experience there, you know? And I get where people are very defensive because we want stuff like this to succeed. And as gamers, it's one of our strengths is that we band together as a community quite often when someone's in trouble. Say, hey, 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 give them a break, give them a break. Let's give them one more shot. And we give people one more shot quite often. So I, I do get your point, though. Just because you're upset doesn't mean that you're being an asshole. He's like, look, I don't like this. I'm saying I don't like it. Well, I just think that there is some, I think there are, I think some people think it is kind of this charity organization and it's you know, hey, they're doing the best that they can and you're kind of being harsh on them. And I say, and frankly, I'm just expressing my opinion. I'm not, you know, so I don't, so people might hear this and be just like, Sean's being a complete dickhead, who knows? Um, but anyways, it was a fiasco. I still plan on going. I don't know if I'll go next year. Uh, people will say, just go and who cares if you have events you know, in your that you've registered for. Show up, there's plenty of gaming to go on, um, which is fair, and it is a good time. And frankly, I like every, the reason I don't not go is because I like, I like the con, I like the people that go to the con, and I like uh, it being relatively local to me. And so, um, unless I find one that gets substituted for it, I don't know. But yeah, you know, that's say la vie. But anyways, that's uh, one of the things that happened this weekend, which is unfortunate. Oh, so, well. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Should we go to Random Encounter? Let's do it. Random Encounter, part of the show where we talk uh, emails, voicemails, and comments from social media. And we got a pretty fair amount this week because we didn't have any last week. And so we apologize if you've written in and wondered if we were going to highlight, excuse me, your email or, or what have you. So we'll try to get through this and have some time to talk about the main topic. Um, Brett, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I will start. Uh, we do have, just so folks know, we've got a blab running in the background here. We're trying to get some uh, live show stuff going again. I think we've got an angle on how to make it work. Although for some reason, people can't seem to hear me through the blab, which is annoying. We got Kevin over there right now trying to help us out. So <clears throat> anyway, I will start. So I'll start, I'll start with the uh, quick shout out to uh, Visionary Comms on Twitter and their blog, twitter.com forward slash Visionary Comms for commenting about the show and their blog. Watch us write nonsense about D&D and other games, the informed gamer opinion. So they, um, they mentioned us in their blog, which is always nice. There's a lot of people out there who are reading blogs, checking things out, and uh, it was really cool, those guys, to throw a little, uh, little like our way. So, all right. Uh, Chris Shorb called in. He was listening to one of the bonus BS episodes um, where Sean went over our setup and how he may reference it if he does a podcast. Um, hey, if you do that, just let uh, let Sean or I know, you know, hit us up uh, when you do it, and we'll be more than happy to help you uh, cover some pitfalls. I'm um, sure you don't spend more money than we're needed. You know, buy the wrong mic, set yourself up with a, a mixer that a guy like Brett would just Hulk rage and throw across the room anyway. What's the point? So. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll let Brett uh, help you out, Chris. When you want to, when you're ready to start that podcast, to you. 
He'll jump right in and help you out. Okay. <laughs> it totally didn't hear me. <clears throat> me? I heard you. No, okay. I heard you. Oh, okay. Did I did, did you already read that one and I just fucking read it again? Which one? Is that what you're telling me? The oh. one I, oh god, no. I'm so lost. I'm so off today. I'm so tired. No. Anyway, oh, next fine. one. You, you read for us. I'm shutting up. Email from Forrest Aguirre. I'll be honest, I wasn't too excited to listen to the episodes about Edge of the Empire. I'd characterize my mood toward it as mildly interested or very mildly interested. But I like listening to you guys, so I gave it a shot. I'm glad I did, because the whole notion of obligations is brilliant. Next campaign I start in any system, most likely DCC, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, or D&D, AD&D First Ed, I'm going to give players the opportunity to get more starting money for a social or financial obligation of some sort. I could see this as a real motivator for characters to get off the couch and go adventuring and as a cool way to kick a campaign sideways into unexplored territory, i.e. the campaign plot line writes itself to some extent. This might also prevent railroading, <clears throat> at least in the long term, which I don't understand what he's referring to. I'm not sure there. I, I do have my tickets for the next Sean train, yeah. which I believe is this next Wednesday. So we're coming up. Oh, that's true. Yeah. All Very aboard. Nice. So thanks for being interesting and engaging enough to listen to, even when the subject matter may not be at the top of my list of interests. You roped me in with that one. That's a sign of an outstanding podcast. Best Forrest Aguirre. That's Aguirre. Thank you, Forrest. Much yeah, more. Forrest. Appreciate it. Yeah, don't don't sell us short, man. We'll we'll come through, some somehow, there, some way. One of the other uh, game systems we want to talk about later, um, excuse me, later this uh, this podcasting season, if you will, is uh, the Gumshoe system. And there's a th- couple things that Gumshoe does, which is similar in that whole making sure characters have a reason to get off the couch. <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of a quasi obligation type thing. When we get to to Gumshoe in a few, we'll talk about that. So kind of cool. Uh, shall I do the next one from Mr. James Bardes? Yeah, man. James has got a... James has got a big one. I may have to take a break halfway through and tap you in, so we'll see. We'll have to tackle his points one <clears throat> by one, maybe. James starts off with... I'm very polite. Hey, guys. Hey. Love the show. Which is nice. I was just chiming in. Ah. Love the show. I've been listening since about episode 40 and working to get in all the goodness from the past. Thank awesome, you. James. Well Thank done. You. Yes. Just wanted to write in for the first time with two things. In reference to your episode on generic games, one of my all-time favorites uh, was the dead too soon, much maligned, dangerous journey system that the late, great Gary Gygax wrote. Unfortunately, the only fancy module portion of it, Mythos, was released before TSR sued them into extinction. Upcoming would have been a modern supernatural Cthulhu-type setting called Unhallowed and a weird science, uh, weird science sci-fi module called Changeling. Well, I can agree with a compliment, with a complaint, excuse me, that some of the terms are alien and Gygax's prose makes understanding it difficult. I can't agree with people that say there were too many rules, especially when D20 has rules on top of rules for everything. I feel it really comes down to investment, which system you want to learn, and not a question about content, because I'm sure that there are people who have sat down um, and memorized the encyclopedic, encyclopedia excuse me, of D20 rules, well, not bad an eye um, poo-pooing on other systems that have quote-unquote too many rules. I also feel that Mythos had it, had the best magic system of any role-playing game. The variety and number of castings, <clears throat> excuse me, not leaving anything lacking. They're also vague enough in category that they can easily fit into any genre of gameplay. A character from an Asian setting has the same fortune-telling casting as one from a Celtic setting, but the method of casting would be described differently, but mechanically operating the same. Recently, I made the switch to Savage Worlds because it is easy to prep and play and gives the customization of characters that I like in a game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Dangerous Journeys had uh, Joss points that operated like Benny's do, and many of the systems work on the same logic. So it was an easy translation, transition. Excuse me. It also fills in the blanks that was unfortunately cut short from Dangerous Journeys line, vehicle rules, chase rules, etc. I mean, a very active two-year-old means that game prep time is at a premium, and I feel that Savage Worlds fits this nicely. However, I use the Mythos magic system and don't use the arcane backgrounds or magic of Savage Worlds. They are fine, just not my cup of tea. Uh, I've kept my... L- I've kept my location hidden so that the Kool-Aid drinkers won't storm my place screaming, rules is written, rules is written, <laughs> to each his own. <clears throat> I agree with Brett on Fantasy Flight's game, Star Wars Line. The IP should all be in one book. <laughs> I love it. This, yeah. man is now my, this man is now a friend. Yeah, well, 
Whatever. Um, that also bothers me from a consumer standpoint as all three of the $60 books mostly contain the same content. Aside from new careers or whatever they call them, abilities, motivations, and some vehicles, almost 80% of the book is the same content. To me, that just screams a ploy of taking people's money. The books are beautiful. I'm sure the art, licensing, and printing costs are very expensive, but to sell the same thing over and over again is just shameful. People complain about buying the same trilogy in different packaging, but will defend buying 80% of the same book three times to enjoy one IP. Well, okay, hold on a second. All right, I'm going to stop here. I don't know Let's enough about here. the rest of the book system, so, so I, shut up. I while this talk. may be absolutely true, I don't know if it's 80%, but yes, I think a lot of the mechanics of the games span the three core books. So I get the frustration. And however, I'm I'm growing really tired of the cash grab mentality. The accusing that someone is trying to cash grab. They're trying to do it because they need more money. And and frankly, it may be exactly that. Hey, we're going to sit around, we're going to come out with three games or three settings of one game and we're going to populate the rules in each one of those. And then because they're huge, we're going to charge 60 bucks per book where they could do one core book that's 60 bucks and then the other two books be 30 or 40, probably more the more around 40 because it's Star Wars and it's, you know, the license thing is not cheap. But this is what I think, I don't know why some people get really sour about companies needing to make money off a of selling product. I don't know if anybody finds that ironic where if you go into business, it's, it's goofy. It, 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 it has a, there's a weird balance that I have found, right? Where it's that in college, I really like this band. Now they're a bunch of sellouts and they become a bunch of sellouts because everyone around me likes them. Um, and everybody buys their stuff. Um, what is, and, um, that's not a good analogy, I mean, Brett. I mean, no, no, no. What happens is that they're selling more and then they produce stuff that more people like, like, Oh, it's not as cutting edge as it used to be. It's not as this, and then we're like, well, I like this game. I really like it, but I only want to buy one book from the company. Well, they can't stay alive with one book. The niche industry that we're in is so small. They have to create a marketing strategy of some sort in order to stay alive, much as a band or any other any other person who's producing IP has to figure out what they're going to do. If Sean and I want to have um, uh, a publishing house, we can't just put together one book. And say that's the only book we're ever going to make. I really hope we sell a million copies because I want to retire. Well, chances it, are you're going to have to, from a gaming perspective, you're going to have to cr- figure out a method, a marketing strategy to produce your product well, and how you're going to crank it out. Well, I don't know about that argument either because people do build one book and they do put it out and they do put it out for free. It, it's a strategy, though. Is that is that the strategy you want, or do you want to do the three books, same cost, same thing? Because we're entertaining different styles of play in each of the three, or do I just say, look, it's um, the core rules for Pathfinder and then a fuck ton of splat books. It's depending, it's, it's depending on what you're doing. Like, do you want to make money or do you not want to make money? Do you want to do it for the love of the game? And you have some other motivation other than monetarily keeping your lights on. Those are two different models. They're business models. So if somebody wants to create a game and put it out for free for everybody to devour, and no splat books and they never charge anything for any content, then that's their prerogative. I absolutely appreciate that. As a matter of fact, some of the OSR stuff is exactly like that. Pay what you will, pay what you want. It's free. Osric is free. But companies like Wizards of the Coast and Paizo have staff. They put out stuff so that they can pay staff, so they can keep the lights on, so they can keep growing their business, whatever that means. No, I, I get it. Like I said, that there's a balance, it's, especially when you're in a hobby industry. Right, hobby industry is weird, but gaming is a niche within a niche within the entertainment industry. And there's some folks that you don't love have- the purest hobby perspective, and other people um, want to you know make a living at it. And to make a living at it, you know, maybe trying to make thirty thousand dollars a year isn't a huge stretch for some folks, or whatever it is that they got to make. And to do that, they have to produce three different books that you know eighty percent of the same. I don't know. There's a weirdness that I've encountered early on in life it, and it's, and it happens and it's kind of like kind of a conflict with me where I owned a business when I was 26 and I had friends of mine who'd always want discounts on stuff, right? Hey man, can you get me a discount on a cool video card? It was a computer retail company and I would, I would, you know, throw them a bone, right? They're my buddies or whatever, they're family members, 
But at the same time, those are the people you would hope that they would want you to succeed, right? That those, you would hope that one of those, um, it would be almost as if you would want them to want you to succeed. So by cutting prices, would that be beneficial to your business? And I don't know if that's exactly the case. Yeah. So I could either sell if I sell this if I sell this device for a hundred dollars, but because Sean's my buddy, I sell it to you for cost. I didn't make any money on that, and that's one less device I have to sell to somebody else who would actually give me a hundred dollars for it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it, I get the hey, can you do me a favor kind of thing on occasion. I get that, but at the same time, you know, I I want my friends' businesses to succeed. So if I if, if they're in business and I want to take my business somewhere, I go to them and I want to pay whatever they charge. I mean, it's not no, I, I don't not hear you. I've always I've had I've have I have a number of tattoos, and I've always told the guys that have done the work for me they've done lots of it. Hours and hours, and like, well, I think I cut you a deal. I'm like, dude, look, fair price is fair price. What do you charge? Well, this piece will be 300 bucks. Okay, I gotta wait till I got 300 bucks to pay you, man. No, well, maybe it could work. Some, I'm like, dude, what? Whoa, I mean, yeah. what? Why, why are you doing that? If I'm in the chair and you're anyway, I'm also, thing. I'm also, fair hi- price is fair price. I'm also a hypocrite because I'll go to Amazon and buy an RPG at discount, oh, right? So, I mean. It, it, so that that's my point is it's a weird line every i i can see arguments on all sides so anyway shall i continue yeah all right we let's see here where was i james goes on to say i like the idea of the dice mechanic but felt it was unnecessary in a way of selling 15 dollars sets of dice i can't see the correlation between having funny symbols and allowing collaborative storytelling even in past fail games there can still be a collaborative storytelling element if the target number for a jump across a chasm is 12 and i roll 11 as a player or GM could easily say that they just fall short of the mark or holding onto the edge with your fingertips and then have all the other role player mechanical elements fill in the rest of the scene. I can also easily say that a miss with a blaster bolt accidentally hits a cooling vent, releasing steam into the room and thereby giving visibility penalties to all involved in the gunfight. Oh, okay. This is this is true. You I'm, can do that. You can dude, do this. You and I have argued about this and I've got into yeah. it with you over and over on this. And it, yes, you could do anything with any system. Let I mean, let's really put it out there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I could do that in Dungeon World. I could do that in be basic RPG. Well, that, I could, put it, do, you and I, I could do it in GURPS. That's where I landed at the end of it was like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you but can do it. System in, right. is specifically designed so you don't have to box up Brett and Sean or James or Phil or Chris or, you know, Robin Laws and put them in the box and send them with you to say, hey, here's how you can use this mechanic with all this kind of um, what I want to say, out of, you know, off, not off the shelf or, you know. Uh, shit, what's the aftermarket add-ons, right? Because you're not – the game's designed this way because it wants to help drive a certain type of gameplay. Yes, I can have the same type of gameplay in D&D. I can have the same type of gameplay with Yahtzee if I really, really want to. I can right. make it work. That's the thing that that it's like, yes, you could do that with any game, but the game – that's part of this game. Yep. <laughs> Keep reading. No, uh, that's, no, I get it. I get where you're coming I, from. Because I'll end up like reaching through the screen, want to choke Brad after this. Whoa, come on now. No, I know I, you're. I'm agreeing with you. I know you're being good about it, but you, you and I have had heated arguments about. Oh, yeah, that. we have. Yeah, it's because yeah. you're wrong. Um, the Western <laughs> Games version had this mechanic already. When you rolled a one on the wild die, where the GM and players w- uh, would discuss the complication that happened, and that was a pass fail game. I feel you don't need to have chicken bones, read animal entrails, observe the flight of birds. Actually, I would like to be able to do all of those things. I would too. We should throw that in a game. You could use those in a game. You could use those in a game. Chicken, chicken. Or have dice with funny pictures on to have a collaborative story element. I just find it to be a shameless smokescreen to hover, uh, hoover as much money from a fan base as possible. Money again. This is also coming from a Savage Worlds perspective where all I would need to play any game is either a 10, $10 $10 or $30 core rule, one or two sets of dice, and a deck of ordinary playing cards. This equals at, a mo- at most an investment of one of FFG's core books and at least the investment of one of their basic box sets. Sorry for the length of this email. Love the show. And I really like the organized format. Keep up the great work. So he likes this. Yeah, I have not. <laughs> after I probably just tore his email up. Yeah, he likes Brett now. I, that's all right i this is what it is i mean if we were sitting at a bar i would say the same thing i mean it's kind of like that's what the discussion's about right some people will totally disagree with me but so the the key here is that if you don't like that right right i could play star wars 
with Savage Worlds. There's enough Star Wars IP. I can go to Wikipedia and I could cut together in my own Savage Worlds. Well, World they do Star have Savage Worlds hacks for Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying is there are hacks for the IP in whatever game system of choice you want. And this is where <clears throat> when I get on my soapbox about my Ultimate Gaming Group, one of the things that I love about them is that um, going through all the different games we've played over the years and stuff, many times – like, well, you didn't play a system that supported that. And like, yeah, but I didn't need to. The guys just did that. Or that's just how we gamed. Not everybody does that. And not everybody wants to have a game system that isn't as tied mechanically to the to how you're going to narrate or how you're going to do those types of things. I, I get where James is coming from because I've done that before and I do that now. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I know sometimes, you know, like Sean, I would get all – get up and kind of in each other's face on it a little bit. But I, I do think that it's how they, it's how fancy flight sets it up. I'm playing it now with Sean. I like it. I'm having a great deal of fun with it. I think the dice add a kind of a wonky, cool randomness with the really fun uh, narrative component that it's been a lot of fun. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, could I do it with something else? Yeah. This, this game system is, is geared right towards it. So, yeah, it's a bit of an investment. If I were a Star Wars fan, I would probably buy it. You know, I, I would dig or, I'd dig deeper into it, but I'm not a Star Wars guy. So that's the only thing I don't like about it is I don't like Star Wars all that much. But the system itself was plenty fun. Well, that's, And uh, the, the dice, yeah, I could do them with D8s or D10s with regular numbers, but we've talked about that before too. So, <sighs> Yeah, it, yes, you could do anything with any system if you want to really put in things in perspective. Yeah, but, but if most, you don't want it of the systems are pass-fail. There is no, you barely reach it. Yes, the GM could do that. In this system, you really don't have much of a choice. No, if you're playing the system by the book, you must narrate accordingly. Well, otherwise, otherwise don't play the system. Exactly. So again, if you like, look, I, I can do the same thing with this other pass-fail, and this is where we've talked about comfort with game systems before, is that I like D&D. Uh, &D. I like Call of Cthulhu. Um, are there systems that are perhaps better? Um, is Gumshoe better for certain things or is, is Savage Worlds or Fate or something like that better? Perhaps as written, but it worked for my group and I, the, the people I play with the most, this game system really works. I'm playing this game right now with the group that Sean and I have together and it works really, really well. The Fantasy Flight system here for uh, Edge of the Empire, it's kicking some serious ass for us. And I don't know if with this group, if we would have the same narrative fun as we would would have with savage worlds i don't think we would because of how we as a group are liking to play and how we're referencing the rules and doing different things quote unquote by the book sometimes and I, I like it and i think it's it's um it's encouraging us as a group to uh to have more fun narrating together so it's working for me would i like the same game system with a different group Eh, maybe not but that's a different game group that's you will and you you will <laughs> you will and you'll let's shut up and take it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. All right. All right. So, so we've got a couple. Thank you, despite Sean's uh, arrogant attitude. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> James, thank uh, you so much for writing in. I appreciate you listening, man. I know Sean does too. So. I do. That's what this is about. Yeah. And we, I mean, we're going to have disagreements and Sean's going to be wrong more often than he's right. And we just got to, <laughs> we just got to learn to live with it. That's how, what's, that's why we're here. We're here to help guys like Sean carry on. Next, next one's yours. Shane. Free man. After listening to the first DCC episode, I was forced to go online and find a copy to take a closer look. All right, forced. I came across a PDF of the beta version and was quickly hooked on the magic system. I have played AD&D for years. I've never been a great fan of the magic system and always felt that it lacked the dangers, dangerous nature of magic. DCC nicely corrects that. Uh, I will be overlaying these rules in our next campaign. We have used Mayfair's Demons supplements for years, and the corruption charts are a fantastic. Yeah, see? Okay, going with that route. Could do this in this system, Shane says. Well, that's one that we've talked about that before with, with hacking stuff and, and merging and melding things together. And some, <clears throat> excuse me, some systems work really well together. And quite frankly, as long as you and a group, <clears throat> excuse me, can, um, you can hack whatever the hell it is you want to hack, uh, and it's totally fine. It just 
you know, off label usage, as Phil and Chris would say. Um, but if it's working for you and your game group, fuck, go, man. Just do it. More power to you. Hank continues, when it comes to magic, I also really like the idea of introducing some unpredictability. With so much play going on in the Forgotten Realms, perhaps there are pockets of unpredictability left over from the time of troubles. This also might be a great way to open portals to the outer planes as well, eh? This is not an original idea, just can't think where I heard it uh, last so as to get proper credit. Or perhaps there are other twisted sinister sources jamming divine and arcane ability. Or perhaps the world is entering a modern era where natural forces are slowly diminishing magic. What will take its place? Can it this be reversed? Why is a medium coffee at Starbucks grande? Did I even get that right? I don't know. You did get it right. No, it's it is grande. Brett is muted. He does not want me to hear him. <laughs> I think it is grande. I don't know. Yeah, Sorry. I always order the venti. Which is, yeah, which is large. Which is stupid. It's like five things, scoops of sugar. But Hank, thanks for writing in, Shane. Same as, as uh, th- thank you too. Same, same to you. Cool. Next one? Yeah. That's Cranking through these. Hank. Aaron Sugg comments <clears throat> on G+. Hey, guys, I'm really enjoying your episode on DCC. One question. Why does everyone think Thacko is difficult? Mm. Brett stares at Sean. I got into it. I got in with these guys. <clears throat> I understand that one E tables are a hassle, but I don't get why people create this brain wrenching stigma about Thacko. <laughs> Shit. I don't know either, Aaron. I think a lot of these gamers are stupid. Maybe that's no, I'm kidding. I should I'm probably kidding. get off the air before I just blow a head gasket. <laughs> <laughs> Indie combat is abstract. If I've already described the opponents and what they're wearing, I have no problem telling my players their AC. And even if they're hidden in the dark or have an unexpectedly high AC for their description, it just adds to the mystery of why is that their AC? After you've informed a player of their AC, they're up against the difficulty combat is, is as follows. You have your short sword of quickness drawn since you entered this chamber. Beat the thief. You go first. Pete says, okay. With that weapon, my Thacko is 16. The skeleton's AC is 7, says the GM. Pete, all right, so I need a 9 to hit. Roll die. Wow, my mind is blown. As you can see, that really brought the game to a standstill. There's math. Oh, wait, no, it didn't. There's math. I would recommend people actually use the system before they repeat what they've heard. Just saying. There's math. <laughs> yes, there is. There's math. That's all I have to say. Nope. There is. Uh, can one system be quicker than the other? Yes. One system can be quicker than the other. Some of it can come down to familiarity, use. If you get used to doing math, even as much as Brett sucks at math, I can even do Thacko pretty quick once you get in the swing of it. So it's 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 okay. It's okay, we, Aaron. Aaron, I, I, Aaron and Sean. Just, just ignore him. Aaron, just ignore him. Aaron and Sean will have to agree to disagree. thank you very much kind sir for writing in nice next one is yours sir rob rob b balau biliao hey guys newbie to your show hey welcome to the welcome to the show but it has become one of my favorites thanks rob appreciate that we'll do our best to ruin that for you Brett's muted. That's awesome. I love it when he's just, muted and he's sitting over on the other side like his mouth's I just, moving. I don't know what to do. You're just so bad. I know. Brett, Brett's mouth's moving over there. Nothing's coming out of it. Next time, I'm not going to tell him because then I'll just go, oh, dude, yeah, that's cool, man. Shut up. Okay. And he won't even know. Like, it's not on the air. I hate you so much. All right. On episode 69. 69. You had someone write in about being nervous about playing 5th edition and D&D because of how thick the rules were. And you rightfully suggested that the PHB was all they really needed to read. I would take that a step further and direct them to the basic rules on the D&D website. Super slimmed down and has everything you need from a rule standpoint to know how to play. Keep up the fantastic podcast. Thanks, Rob. That's a very good point. And, and well, now, now they got the SRD, so you really don't even need that. I mean, you don't even need the uh, starter set kind of trimmed down rules. So you can just use the... SRD for all your D&D 5e gaming pleasure. Good point. So, yes, that's a good point. Yeah, don't, don't, don't be, you know, these RPGs, I, I don't know, Brett, how you feel about them, but you get these big, huge, thick rule books, right? And there are a lot of subsystems and a lot of rules in some of these crunchier games, right? But when you're playing yeah. the game, it really does come down to like a core, maybe five, 
a good a good game a good game system explains what its core mechanic is. If you and we've talked about this before, and I've always and I, I still believe this. If I understand what the core mechanic of your game is, roll a d twenty against against a difficulty. Okay, target number. Add a proper modifier to the target number to your roll. Whatever, get it. If I've got that, in the absence of going through a micro game, a, a subset of rules, or something that might be complicated in order to speed play, I default back to the core mechanic and say, "Do that. Give me a DC. It's a it's a dexterity check. Twenty. Go. Oh shit! Clickety click click click. Go to the dice. Hey, I got a twenty-two. Woo! Everyone's happy. Or you failed, or whatever happens. If the core mechanic is roll this die." against this type of a challenge, do that. And I think that will, I, I think that's the easiest way to go. And then, or if you, as you're going through, say, okay, guys, let's, let's get through the grapple rules. Oh God, this is going to hurt. Um, and walk through it. Let's get through this particular component. We had to do that with, um, with the Star Wars game where we had to go through and say, Hey, how do we do this particular component of the Star Wars piece? Let's just tear it apart. So we went through combat, ran through it a few times. Okay. Yeah, we get this. They're not that hard. And, and some of that comes down to you need to play. You've got to play it. And if you've only played it once or twice, that's not necessarily going to be enough to have really give that, that system a try. Yeah. Yeah, we should get to the topic. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for everybody that's written in. Love you guys. Let's get to the topic. All right, we're talking about class, RPGs with class versus ones that do not have class. So there are ones that show up in tuxedos and nice shoes or uh, ball gowns, and then there's ones that don't. Yes, yes, that's what we meant. (laughs) Nice. Classy, classy. What are we talking about this week, Brett, man? So what I want to talk about is Tony Baker had sent a request to the show asking about um, our thoughts on games that have PC classes and um, non-PC, or excuse me, non-classes. So it, yeah, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm like, okay, it's D&D style character classes, fighter, wizard, thief, or if you go even further back, you know, race is a class, dwarf, elf, halfling. Like in DCC, as we talked about with Jen. <clears throat> and uh, comparing that to games like, say, GURPS or um, or Savage Worlds, where you have a game system, basic role-playing, for instance, where there's not really a, a character class. You make a character with X number of points and make it into what you want. What you, what you, what you want, what you want. <clears throat> so D&D, uh, even Dun- Dungeon World has classes as well. I mean, you've got... Rangers, fighters, wizards, clerics, and <clears throat> with them, with these, with this class comes this prepackaged um, set of skills, notions, abilities, uh, and concepts, all kind of wrapped into one. Usually, a class is a progression system that's kind of pre-mapped for you. Like, hey, you get X number of feats you can pick in a Pathfinder, or you have so many extra points you can spend in this other direction. Hell, even vampire. Um, has classes if you want. I mean, the, they're clans of different vampires. You Gangrel, you Nosferatu in the older systems, and and uh, Ventru and so forth. But each of those are a class of vampire that have certain powers and skills that they have access to or get right out of the gates. Um, compared to a game like uh, what I've learned about Fate so far and Savage Worlds, when I've played that, GURPS, basic role-playing, and others of that ilk and, and, and so on, they have... Um, Pretty much saying, hey, you have X number of points, if you will, or whatever it is you're making a character with. Um, what do you want him to be? I want him to be like Aragorn. I want him to be like Buck Rogers. Fine. Build something like that, given the point spread you have. Yeah. So, Sean, when you play a game, we talked about this a little bit with Star Wars. Star Wars has classes, you know, types. Um, do you like either one versus the other? Do you like a more freeform system, or do you like something or no? So I, most of the games that I play are class. They have classes, most, um, or or something to that effect, where there is a container, if you will, and there are things that pertain to that container. One of the things that Robin Laws had said when he was building Feng Shui Two 
was that he was kind of curious or concerned about having classes. And players in Game Master was like, where are your classes? I really need them. And one of the reasons they wanted it was because it made character generation faster. They could get into the action quicker. They could make a character and they could get rolling, <coughs> excuse me, black quicker than they could if they had to sit down in a GURPS-like system. And I'm picking on GURPS because it's the, the one uh, classless, if you, if you will, pardon the term, uh, system I know the best, where you have 150 points or 200 points or whatever is to make a character go and you parse through page after page of different skills, powers, and abilities. But by having a class, it has a prepackaged feel so that way I could say, look, I want to be a mechanic. And someone in the Star Wars game can help me make Tornos Rani, my my Duros mechanic, and say, oh, you want a mechanic? Oh, he's going to have this type of skill. It's this type of package. There, off you go. And I think that that's helpful. I think it's just the way that we are putting people in particular groups, like in a particular what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for, Brett? Class? Structure? <laughs> Class. <laughs> Structure. Some, yeah. I mean, we are we are lumping them in a... Sean's a recruiter. Look, are you God. a programmer? Are you program? You, you, you .NET or Java? What do you do, kid? Right. Oh, Java. Go over there. That's right. Yeah. What discipline are you in? <laughs> what, what, what silo do you stand in? Uh, it does, it, it does come with a preconceived notion though. Whatever you're going to play when it's a class, it's very easy to say, I am fighter. I am magic user. I am, I am ranger. I am thief. I am rogue, whatever, right? You've already, you've already established the premise of that character. Because there's a type you're going, you're either going to play with or against that type in some way, shape or form. Um, well, hopefully mostly with, right? It doesn't make well, any it doesn't make any sense to 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 try to create a, a wizardry fighter. No, no, no. But uh, a thief who's Robin Hood robs from rich, gives to the poor. That's against type in a way because <clears throat> your traditional rogue or thief is you know stealing stuff for themselves for profit, not necessarily to help the common man. Well, I think that's why they cha- that's why they changed it to rogue, and they didn't name it thief in future things. Fair enough. They didn't want. To promote the art of confiscation. <laughs> so, have you played games like? I mean, you've played Savage Worlds. You've run Savage Worlds. I have run Savage Worlds, Brett. So, do you like or uh, which do you prefer? Do you prefer classed or uh, non-classed? That is you really. Care? It's really coming to come down to a preference, and Brett is specifically asking me what mine is, and I would have to say that uh, if I had to choose, I would probably go class. Just because the majority of the games that I've played tend to have are than archetype, class, career, specialization, uh, whatever lumps them into that particular concept. Um, now, that's not to say that I don't think games that are classless do not have its place and that cannot and that they lack any of that. But I think it's just kind of uh, may not be as clearly defined. And even, you know, frankly, I'd be interested to hear from some of our listeners that play like Fate, GURPS, basic role-playing system. And when they create a character and they're sitting at the table talking amongst each other, how do they convey to each other what each other is going to make? Like party-wise. Yeah, do you end up using, look, I'm going to make a fighter, but he's uh, this type of fighter. Or I'm going to make a... You know, private investigator who looks like this. Or is, yeah, or do you just say, I'm going to make a guy or I'm going to make a woman and they're going to do, they're going to, they're going to be really like this. So there, there's a, what I would consider kind of a hybrid solution, if you will. Call Cthulhu, your basic role playing um, gumshoe. Um, you have not necessarily classes, but you'll have templates or archetypes or packages that you can get into where in Call of Cthulhu, you can say, <clears throat> I'm an investigator. What kind? I'm a librarian. I'm an antiquarian. I'm a historian. I'm a big game hunter. I'm a flapper, depending on the time period. Um, I'm a dilettante and so forth. And there's those type of phrases help you to create the character because it kind of, again, like fighter. I'm fighter from Fightor land and my parents were killed by orcs and therefore I hate orcs. Right. Or I'm a you know dwarf from the Iron Hills and that's just who I am. Um, <clears throat> those type of phrasings help you to give an image or a package to your character. Even if it turns into, look, I'm a dilettante. But I also, or 
I am an antiquarian who used to be a boxer or whatever the case is. Hence, my guy is is larger and has you know really good stamina and a lot of great physical abilities. But I'm also you know Indiana Jones or something along those lines. So some systems like again Gumshoe and Call of Cthulhu are the ones that come to my mind immediately. That um, you have templates archetypes that help you develop your character, kind of speed up the process. They're not really classes as far as um, the traditional D&D form of the term, in my opinion. You don't have a set progression level for them. Again, those systems don't really have um, ding, level two, you get a thing. And that's, I believe, a lot of times when I think classes, I think leveling. I think a more traditional leveling process. Oh, you're at level two, more hit points. You're at level three, more hit points, more spells. Oh, I hit hazard class, and therefore I can do this other thing. So in a game without classes, you tend not to have as strict of a leveling process, or at least a traditional leveling process to my my memory anyhow. Well, so Savage Worlds does, but it's they're pretty – vast i mean there's like what five i think so you do okay, but it's, point. it's not point. the same it, it is a little bit different i'd say it's almost a hybrid between a class leveling system and a strictly a point-based system of of reward right i think savage worlds kind of lies in between because you get both you get points rewarded and then once you get to so many points you go from like you go from novice to professional to whatever i can't remember all of them but anyways I don't. I think we're. I think one thing that we haven't touched on is between the two of them. So getting into a class and a non-class or a class-less system, class-less systems will allow you to create a character that may be more diversified than a class system. So in a class system, you may be able to multi-class, but there's usually maybe some penalties involved, right? Yes. Where in a class-less system, like say GURPS, it's really about taking just a particular power or a particular skill. It was a concept. I want a character who is like Iron Man but an elf. Okay, you you can figure that out. Where do you come up with these things, man? I know. Anyway, (laughs) but you you can – no shit. You can do that in GURPS or the old hero system for champions. You want to make it. It's there. The powers and skills are all there. It just depends what it is you want to buy. And um, it can, if you don't know the system really well or have a very clear concept going in, it can take you longer to build a character. And I have, in my experience, oftentimes gotten a character built or had players in my groups build them and go, oh, shit, I picked the wrong damn skill. I thought this theatrical thing was what I wanted. I really needed this other thing. Damn it, it doesn't quite fit. So sometimes in your system without, without class, I have found it's not necessarily more complicated to make the character. It can take a bit longer. And unless you are very savvy with the system, sometimes how things chain or link together within that skill system or power structure, it's not always as easy to bring your concept to life as if you were to come into a dungeon world game and say, look, I want to be a ranger. Okay, great. And he is this type of a ranger. Okay, that makes sense. He, you know, a dwarven ranger. I could do that. I want to make a, um, you know, my, my character is a Duros. He's a, um, non, a non-human-like race. In Star Wars, I want to be a mechanic. Okay, I also have the Duros backgrounds and so forth. I can drag that into the mechanic. I can meld those things together. If we're playing a system that didn't have any type of class or hybrid structure like that, it's up to me as the player to either figure it out or to work with my fellow players and the game master to kind of forge that thing myself if there's no archetype package or template for me to play off of. Well, and I think with that example that you mentioned too is you will inadvert you will have to convey your expertise of your character player character right you will have to say okay who who's gonna fix the ship and you can say well i have what's your mechanics i'm a 50 percent mine's 65 oh you obviously have are more mechanically savvy whereas if you just say uh you have a class called mechanic and you have a class called pilot and you sit down and say who's gonna fix the ship you already know just based on the class, typically. Yeah, chances right? are the mechanic, the pilot may aid. You know, hey, who's the right. best person to do this thing? Let's get the Mandalorian in here to shoot the people because he's a shooter. You know, that's the way that works. Yeah, so I, I think sometimes it's a quicker reference, right? It paints the picture faster 
when it comes with class, like when you deal with classes? What I find I like a lot. So there's a thing used to happen a lot with D and D and the OSR will do this a lot is you'll have <clears throat> new classes, a bevy of new classes. Look at your Pathfinder system or any of those D20 splat book upon splat book with the, um, the, you know, the gun mage, you've got, um, uh, summoners, uh, witches, warlocks, lots and lots of different classes. Because what happens then is I have a fighter, but I want a fighter who's a little uh, bit different. So I make a paladin. Right. It's kind of a cleric, kind of, uh, he's like a cleric fighter combo. So I have this m- melding piece. And one of the things that can happen in your game is that what kind of a class bloat, if you will, if you as a game too master, confined. Don't, is what you're yes, getting where at, right? th- things get so confined where someone says, look, I, I can't be this this thing. I have to be a samurai. Where you're like, okay, well, what does the samurai have that the fighter doesn't have? Well, he's from an Asian country. Okay, no, you have an Asian fighter. Yeah, but he has a, a katana. Okay, he has a single-edged two-handed sword. Yeah, but he wears lacquered armor. Okay, he has banded mail. Uh, but, but, but he has a coat of honor, so he's a fighter with a coat of honor. <laughs> So, but well, when I want special stuff. Well, <laughs> with samurai, when you do that, though, when you get into the class systems, though, and they make a samurai, they're going to make specific feats inherent to a samurai. Yeah. So, where I'm going is that I have seen folks that are gaga class system folks are power gamers like fucking crazy. Yeah. They're looking for the ultimate character class that will allow them to power game the fuck out of whatever it is that they're oh, trying so they're to out play. to min max is that the deal they're out I to have, expose I, when you lean when you look at certain classes you're like oh this it, there's a balance issue people start talking all oh, this cl- class is unbalanced the summoner and pathfinder holy fucking hell it's so unbalanced it's so this it's so that it's a power gamer class i don't even allow those and I love then the you summoner have- <laughs> i used to summon like dinosaurs 30 feet up in the air and then Just drop them on people yeah yeah <laughs> I, had a cleric, I had a cleric do that with Celestial Buffalo. Tatanka. Whack. <laughs> it's nice. raining reptiles. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's ra- so I. it's not that you can't power game the fuck out of any game system you're playing, but when it is usually assigned to me when I've had players come up and say, hey, I picked up this third-party D20 splat book, and there's this new class I want to try. It's called the Summoner Ninja Samurai Fighter Warlock Wizard Cleric. Can I do that one? And it just—I feel like I'm an episode of the, I'm on an episode of the Dungeon Bastard. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Um, <clears throat> so, but the nice thing with with that though is that you can go through. You can say these classes do or do not fit the setting. They don't fit my world. Or Sean says, hey, that doesn't fit. Great, they don't. They're not allowed. Whereas with a class less system with GURPS, if you say, look, I don't want any cinematic skills. Nothing that's too crazy. Nothing that's hard to kill or, or something that comes right out of the movies. I don't want any of that stuff. <sighs> but I want to play a fantasy game. Well, then you're going to find that there's that one cinematic skill that you actually have to have. I don't want any of these things. Nothing from this tech level. Oh, except for this one. To uh, trim through, go through, review all of the different components of a class of system can take more time. Again, if you're not as savvy with that system. Um, because with a class system, you're like, look, uh, magic in my world doesn't allow warlocks. I'm sorry, they, they don't exist in, you know, Brett's amazing fantasy world. In Sean's amazing fantasy world, though, there's warlocks, but no sorcerers. Okay, that's fine. Um, it's easier to put, to bring things in or out because, to Sean, your earlier point, they come in buckets that are easy to identify. Yeah, oh, that's this, it. It's this type of thing. I can move it. That works. No, yes, in, out. Right. It's faster. So... Uh, Brett, quickly, before we get off the topic and get into die roll, do you like, do you prefer class systems or class less? I like the hybrids the best. Okay. I really do. I like, um, um, not, so I'm going to caveat that quick. I like them for my non-fantasy games. When I play a fantasy game, I tend to like class systems. Fighters, rogues, wizards, warlocks. I like that. When I play a investigative game, like a Call of Cthulhu or Gumshoe, I like the um, I like the hybrid solution a little bit better. All right, having that... prestige class, excuse me, um, uh, packages, archetypes, that type of thing. All right, man. Let's get into die rolls. Let's do it. So, if you if you prefer class or class less, why? And if you know, what's your argument? 
let us know. Write in at gamingmbs at gmail.com. I think uh, I think my gut reaction is that people will, um, depending on the system they enjoy, will lean one way or the other, or they'll 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 just defer to whatever the system calls for. Like we, we I don't think are opposed to Savage Worlds or GURPS or oh, D and D. It's it's but it, there's just the differences, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and if I'm sure we missed something, we had a lot of good listener oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, we even got more to get in next time. So uh, we no doubt missed something. If you got a good point that we missed or you want to counter something we threw out there, hit us, man. So let's get into die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points. Uh, 2D for miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you. Brett has three. I have three. Brett, as always, I defer to... I will start. Well, it's not age before beauty. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't think I'm I... younger and sexier, so hey. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing either. All right. So first one, Blood Bowl is coming back. Blood Bowl is the old uh, Games Workshop uh, fantasy take on American football. I've got a link out there in the show notes. I believe it's like twenty late 2016. I think this is due out. I'm not quite sure. <clears throat> um, there's been rumors and thoughts around it. One of my gamers, uh, JR, is a Blood Bowl fanatic. Um, I had a copy of Blood Bowl back in the day and was a you know inch-thick styrofoam board, and I sold it like a dumbass. But um, it was always a fun game, um, so I'm interested to see if uh, Games Workshop can pull it out. Next up is the Misdirected Mark Show. We've talked about these guys periodically, Phil and Chris, obviously friends of the show. We love those guys, too. They have a their episode 191 is How to GM Fate. Sean and I have been, uh, we've talked about Fate here. A couple other folks have asked us. I thought it was a really good episode. Um I still need to play some fate because until yeah. I play it, I'm not going to grok it. I'm it's still, it's still rattling around in my little grognard brain. I need to do it. It's so. like somebody explaining chess. Like it can like, be, you know, if Hey, you're not into chess, maybe, you know, you can move this guy this way and this way and that way and this way. And the whole point is to, to, to put the King in checkmate and, but not to take them, you don't take them off the board. You put them into check, but you gotta, you gotta play it and you we, gotta, you do, you gotta get it. I you think give a shot. Sean has to play it. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Uh, last one I have. So anyway, before I fit, good show. If you're not mm-hmm. checking Misdirected Mark out, do it. They're good guys. Um, last one I had brought to my attention uh, via Gaming and BS listener Matt Martinez is Pugmire. It's a fantasy RPG with dogs as the player characters. I saw this periodically while I was up in Upper Michigan with my wife on vacation. I kind of went, oh, I should, I should, you know, oh, I should look into that. And Matt threw it out there saying, hey, guys, this calls for a die roll. I've got a link out there in the show notes. Take a look at it. Um, sometimes when I see games like this, go, oh, my kids would like that. And then I look at that and go, you know what? I, I think I would like that. This could be a lot of fun. This could be kind of, it's no different than if I can play an elf or an orc or a dwarf or a gnome, I could play a pug. I could play a British bulldog. I could I could do this. This could be fun. And so I think, does it uh, take I think the Kevin character? Called, does it take Kevin the, already called dibs on the corgi, so we'll see what Does happens. it take the characteristics of each dog? I'm not sure. I didn't dig into it too deep, but it, it looks. I started po- poking around, but it's fun, man. This is the this is the cool shit that the gaming hobby has. Someone goes, you know what I like to do? I like to do this. Why isn't there a cat one? Why isn't there a cat one, Brett? Because cats don't give a fuck. <laughs> you own cat. I've owned cats. Cats don't care. Cats are. I, I hope. I actually hope cats are like the evil wizard. I know, right? Or dogs have to go back. The bad, big, bad, evil guys. Cats. Exactly. Just saying they're cleaning themselves, and you know growling at well them. and they're plotting exactly plotting absolutely and relaxing the some dog right you over to you sir uh the very best science fiction and fantasy books of 2015 per io9 so check that out link in the show notes uh, obviously whenever anybody says the very best of whatever the top 10 of whatever it's subject to your opinion but uh maybe there's some that are listed that you are not familiar with and may want to check out so we'll put that list in the show notes. All right, a link to it anyway. Uh, number two, Geek Dad blog, the best tabletop games of 2015. Now, I have to admit, I don't know if I ever heard of any of the games that he had actually on the blog. And I'm always skeptical about the people that like play a lot of board games at home, um, minus the Mo Tusino, because he does play like tons of board games. But my fear is that people only have certain amount of times they pick a board game and that they either give it a thumbs up or down. 
Well, this is like so we, many. we talk about role-playing games, right? Yeah. I was not sold on the Star Wars thing. I've played it a number of times now. You've got to put some table time in. you got to put some hours in yeah. to that game. Yeah. Not every, especially some of these more, what I would consider more complicated RPG-esque board games, you got to give them a real serious run. And sometimes that shit runs four hours plus to really play those games. So, Yeah, I don't know. So check it out. There's some board games in there I hadn't heard of before that may be interesting. Like their number one was kind of intriguing to me. Uh, check it out in the show notes. Number three, a D100 NPC generator, which has names, personality traits, features, quirks, and habits, and secrets and hooks. It's kind of in a table. You roll. Nice. So if you need something that really want, you need something at the the spur of a moment, it's a good one to bookmark or or put in, clip it into Evernote or what have you, and has it have it as a resource. Uh, no stats, no system based, no um, no setting based. It's just something you can really just grab on the fly. This looks cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Grace, Grace Newton, lazy, irrational hatred of magic users, pretends to be the opposing gender and succeeding. There you go. You got a character right there. That's good it's stuff. Right there. Boom, bam. Boom, bam, boom. <clears throat> so, wrapping up the show, we want to thank a few people for supporting the show. Patrons that have brought this show to you include... Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Misdirected Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, and patrons like Mark Anthony Benedetti and Tony Baker. Consider becoming a patron of the show, or you can visit GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. Yeah, and join us uh, next week. We're going to talk about investigation-focused RPGs. Kind of alluded to that a little bit with the uh, Call of Cthulhu and Gumshoe talk, so we'll get into that. And speaking of which, miss the sponsor, but if you're interested in getting a dice bag from game uh, from Grayed Out Productions, go to GamingNBS.com forward slash Grayed Out and use GamingNBS for the promo code and get 10% off your order. Yeah. Cool. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. And next week, we're going to be talking about what, Brett? Investigative-focused RPGs. That's right. I'm, right. One, of your, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.